It wasn't, I kind of forgot that we were going to do a video interview thing. Um, You're looking great. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Hey, my friends, how the heck are you? I am joined by my good friend, Brandon Vaughn. We're going to talk about all things employees, the good, the bad, the ugly, the systems, the strategies, the philosophies that he's used to build a multi-million dollar home service company, uh, really starting with like no employees or like one helper to over 60 or maybe more than that. It was a lot. Brandon, thank you for taking a few minutes to hang out with me, my friend. Yeah, my pleasure. So um, you grew up with a silver spoon and everything was handed to you and easy, correct? <laughs> Man, you read my bio, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I see a lot of people complaining online about employees. They can't find them. They blame millennials, whatever the case is. And there's most companies have one or two or maybe three people and can't seem to break through. Maybe they're overly dependent on an employee and, and there's a weird relationship or there, there's a lot of potential reasons. I'm curious to get some insight into your philosophy on all the different pieces from recruiting to interviewing to hiring, training, and not just technical training, but safety training and process training and culture training and whatever. And then leadership development, developing them uh, from your perspective. Could we start at recruiting and uh, just teach us kind of what your thought process is on finding and pulling in and marketing to rockstar employees? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, when we started out in 2012, um, had no employees. First employee that I ever hired was... Uh, he was like awesome, like so awesome. And we were buddies, you know, we just like rode in the car together and we were talking about everything and uh, got to a point where he just got really, really frustrated with, um, you know, just the company in general. Like he wanted a 401k, he wanted ownership stock because we were so close. And then it was like, but wait a minute, you know, I, I'm in this company too. I should be 50, 50 with you. Cause it's just you and me. So like recruiting systems when you're just getting started is a little bit different than when you get a little bit bigger. Yeah. And uh, that's a, that was a really big struggle for me to kind of overcome. So one thing I will kind of say about recruiting is um, a lot of people are just like, tell me exactly what job cap, you know, job ad copy you use. Right. Um, which is one part of the equation for sure. But having a really good company culture, like having really good, you know, a package to offer people um, really makes a big difference. Um, I kind of liken it if you go to a store, you know, and you're looking, you know, in the grocery aisle and you see all these different packages and things and you, you're like, you know, drawn in with the marketing of it and then you grab it and you take it home and then you eat the cereal and it's terrible and you throw the rest of it in the garbage. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you have to have the actual goodness inside your company. <laughs> Right. You got to be someone worth working for in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So the reason why I say that's such a big component of it is, is that we are number one lead source uh, for recruiting and getting other employees to work for us was referrals. It was from people who are already working with us in our company and they would go to their friends and they would say, this place is awesome. Come work for us. So you may always struggle with recruiting. You may always struggle with, you know, man, a guy, you know, came and he showed up and then he quit, you know, like, you know, three days later, ah, I hate employees, these millennials, right. <laughs> when really you have to kind of look internally and see, you know, that you actually have the, you know, the, the structure and the framework and the company. Yeah. Inside well, Pat Clark, I just interviewed Pat about this and he said something really interesting. Like when we're really small, we maybe aren't fully uniformed. We, even, even though we might not have a big multi-million dollar business or a shop or tons of trucks, you can still like exude a level of professionalism 
yeah. but little companies won't, right? So they'll put a recruiting ad out and someone shows up to get an interview at a coffee shop, but maybe you're wearing street clothes and you look, I don't know, right. like it doesn't no, you're totally feel right. like there's a real opportunity there. Yeah. And even, even like when I ran my business out of my condo, um, we weren't allowed to park. I actually got like fines for parking my work vehicles out on the street. But anyways, um, you know, when people would come in, I would go, I'd interview them at a coffee shop. Um, but I would wear a full uniform, which was polos and, you know, and dress slacks and, um, our technicians, they came and they clocked in. I had all of them had iPads. So they'd clock in on their iPads. We, you know, store the iPads in a place, um, you know, where they could come and they could grab them, uh, from my garage and, you know, and go take them out. So there's ways that you can make your business feel more professional. And with that comes, wow, this company is going to be big. You know, like this is, you know, this, there's growth opportunity here. This is not, oh boy, what did I get myself into? Um, right. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. And you said um, you got all these referrals. Isn't it kind of like, if you're not getting referrals from your customers, you're probably not doing a great job. If you're not getting referrals from your employees, it, yeah. the same logic would apply, right? Absolutely. And I, I view it, I always have referred to my employees as internal customers because it's the exact same thing. You have to market to them. You have to deliver the service. You have to ask for referrals. You have to, you know, treat them and with the same customer service that you would, if not more so than your actual customers, which you're probably treating them with a lot of customer service already. Mm. Um, so some practical things that we did is we had a, a $500 employee referral bonus so if someone referred someone into our company, we would give that individual a $500 cash bonus if the person stuck with us for six months. That was the caveat. They didn't get it like day one that their friend came and showed up. They got it at month six when their friend stayed with us for six months. So our employees would actually like pre-vet friends. They'd be like, oh, dude, you got to come work for this company. But, but well, hold on. And I got to make sure, you know, if you're going to be coming, like, you're going to stay, right? Like, you're, I want you coming on. Like, we're not looking for people that are just going to come in for two weeks and then leave. <laughs> so they right. would. That's awesome. Powerful. Yeah, they pre-vet employees. That worked really well. Um, your job ads, they got to be different. They got to be different than what everyone else is doing. Um, you have to write your job ads so that they cater and they attract people. Uh, we actually use a lot of the, um, the exact, you know, kind of job scripts that um, we had in the uh, employee rockstar toolkit which was kind of an adaptation on your original ones as well mm -hmm. uh, that was it had all the ps's at the bottom and yeah. you know, really super friendly and kind of lighthearted. i would have so many people that would say you know that was the coolest job ad that i have ever read in my life like this company <laughs> sounds awesome i want to come work for us and that's how we knew that like we had all those components yeah and also, it's marketing don't, yeah don't be afraid to invest in it don't be afraid to invest you know, 500, a thousand bucks in a month to get some good quality employees coming in. Um, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of if you wanted to market on Google and you had a $10 a month, you know, spend and we're just like kind of relying on, well, hopefully someone sees my ads versus, you know, actually putting in there, you can get a bigger pipeline and then you have more candidates to actually choose from, not just, Oh sweet. You got a pulse. Here's a uniform. Right. 100%. People forget that they're still doing sales and marketing when it comes to human resources and employees and your team. And there's almost like an entitlement mentality with some people. They think because they have a business that they're just, they deserve labor. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Don't you appreciate what you have here? Right. You're lucky to have a job. It's like, nah, not so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the economy is killing it right now. Yeah. It's easy to get a job. It's easy to get a good job. 
It is. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had 18 year old kids that were literally, um, you know, coming onto our team. And then a couple months later, six months later, uh, we would have the occasional person that would quit uh, because he got offered 32 bucks an hour to go be a meter maid to drive around like a little scooter. And you know, <laughs> it's like, he's 18 years old. He has what? <laughs> so it's uh, the, the economy and the environment makes a really big impact. And sometimes you got to adjust um, your strategy to kind of deal with that and have things like signing bonuses and have benefits and have, you know, up your game on that stuff, which yeah. subsequently means you got to raise your prices, but guess what? Everyone else is raising their prices too. So why aren't you? You have to. Well, that's great. That's a good first point one cover. Good recruiting. Let's talk about interviewing a little bit, any kind of hacks, tricks, tips, philosophies, things you do different lessons you learned when it comes, maybe not just to the interview questions, but like, your whole philosophy, what are things you look for? Uh, how do they get to the place where they can do an in-person interview? Do you do group interviews? Do you do video interviews? How, how does that work? So um, one of the things that, that we did actually, we also got from the Employee Rockstar Toolkit, which was uh, Brian Hagerty's trick where he had a phone, that you would, a phone number that you would call in and have to leave a voicemail for. So um, we actually did that and we actually, um, upped it even to one step further where we actually created a, a website page where someone would land on it and watch a video on what it was like to work for our company. You know, what, what the position entailed and what, you know, some of those things were. And I know you did something similar too. I watched your video that you had with your employees. It was so cool. Back your, in the, that's a long time ago. Things yeah. <laughs> a lot, but it was cutting edge at the time. Yeah. I mean, those, those little things to do a little bit differently where people show up to the interview and they're like, wow, this is not like, you know, any normal company. Uh, some of the things that we really try to do, um, so we had a pre-screening process. We really wanted to try to whittle down, you know, people um, as much as we could. When the economy is really, really good, sometimes you can over, yeah. you know, funnel people. I've noticed that lately, yeah. Yeah, so, so sometimes you have to adjust your tactics depending on, again, the environment and the economy. Um, so some of the things that maybe whittled down too many, if we only notice one or two people coming through, we may kind of open up the, you know, the, the flow a little bit to try to yeah. get you know, some more pipelines. Um, cause sometimes a players, they don't have time to look at this either. They're just, you know, trying to scan through and just, you know, right. shot stuff. So, um, we would actually have a phone screening first of all, and then we would, you know, set up an interview. Uh, we like to interview people um, earlier in the mornings because that's when we actually got started with our, our work day. So we wanted, you know, people to- actually Make sure they can roll out of bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, roll out of bed, which, you know, gave us some insights. Um, some of my favorite interview questions was, uh, when I call your previous employer about what is the number one thing that you need to work on, what will they say? <laughs> and that was a nice, like, ninja trick question because- yeah. First of all, you're telling me when I call your employer and they're like, oh gosh. <laughs> the uh, and they, dude, I've had people, I can't believe the brutal honesty that some people are, you know, about, well, probably say that, um, you know, you fired me because I smoke a pot in the back. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> okay, well. It's nice to get that out though. <laughs> You know, wow. oh yeah, I probably didn't tell you that I, you know, I didn't show up on time for, you know, three months and that's why you had to fire me. <laughs> you know? right. uh, so I like that, asking that question. And I also I like asking people like, you know, hey, what's your dreams? You know, what's your, what do you consider to be your dream job? Um, you know, what do you want to be doing in a, in a couple of years from now? Sometimes a five-year question is a little bit overwhelming. So even just two years, um, you know, I find is, is kind of a good time frame. Uh, but try to get a good sense of, 
do they align with your core values and make sure that you have a really clear definition on what your company's core values are and hold them up to that measuring stick with every interview that you do. And that can also kind of mean a deeper dive. You know, again, this is like, make sure your foundation's set because sometimes if you're running into problems with, I don't understand, this guy seemed totally awesome. And I hired him and then he, you know, uh, like started smoking, you know, whatever, some whatever drug in the in the back of the you know cab uh, day one i can't believe i over i didn't see this coming uh sometimes your foundational stuff um you know isn't isn't solid before that process in terms of like your job copy or the way that you vet them or the way that you actually call and check the references which almost nobody does by the way yeah exactly exactly you know i actually had a police um a police officer call me for a reference check on one of my previous employees and it was the best reference check call I have ever had in my life. I mean, I was like, I was so enthralled with the question these guys asked and how he asked it. And yeah, well, that's I, important, isn't it, for legal reasons and stuff? Yeah, it got so much information out of me. At the end of it, I was like, I can't believe I spent 20 minutes on the phone with this guy. Like, how did that <laughs> even happen? But um, I felt like I gave him a really honest assessment and, and he kind of pre-framed the call with, you know, just want to you know, assure you this is 100% confidential. We don't share any of your answers with the candidate. We use these only for internal purposes. Um, we really want to make sure that it's actually a kindness to make sure that it's a good fit for both the employee and the employer because we don't want someone, you know, coming on and we, we basically make these calls to look for warning signs that they may not enjoy working here as well. Right, so you frame it around you being truthful is yes. serving the yeah so we so i was like so we just adapted that right into our you know referral screening pro or mm -hmm. a, a reference screening process to where we'd say hey it's really important that you're you know really candid with us because we want to make sure it's a really good fit for them where they don't we also don't want them joining our team and finding out that they don't like working here you know as well so right um that was really cool that was a that was it a gives nice them like permission to tell the truth instead of trying to protect or water down the truth he, Right. Yeah. I don't want this guy coming back and suing me because I told him that he was, you know, not a good employee. I mean, people are scared of, you know, being honest with references and kind of right. blow, just like, Oh yeah, he was great. He was fantastic. And would you ever rehire him again? No, I wouldn't, but he would, he'll work great for you. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think he's turned it around. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. Give him a, give him a hire. That'd be great. Take care. Good luck. <laughs> Okay, so we talked about recruiting, awesome gold nuggets, interviewing. Is there any other final steps you want to say about the interviewing process that you guys used or any other tips before we move on to hiring? Um, yeah, one, one of the things that we like to try to do, and you have to check with your, um, you know, with your local state laws and regulations things, but we like to kind of do a working interview style. Now, there's things that you can't do when someone's not an employee. You have to be careful around some of this, like make them climb ladders and get up on roofs and, you know, things along those lines. Um, but what we would do is we would have people come in and like, you know, try squeegeeing some windows to just kind of get an idea on technically how proficient they were with things, you know, maybe grab a ladder and kind of carry it around. And we actually found that even just bringing some people in before we went through the whole hiring onboarding process, that we would immediately see red flags. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yeah, this guy's definitely not going to work. uncoordinated or they look unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. He's carrying around a ladder and it's like, you realize he's never carried a ladder in his life. And, um, and then he may even say like, I I'm not good at this. This is not what I thought it was going to be, you know? Right. 
So we found that so funny because I never did that and I never even heard of people doing this until this week. And then when I talked to Mike Dalkey and asked him these same questions, <clears throat> that's what he said he did. They do like a working interview. I'm like, what? What is that? And it makes perfect sense. And then I talked to Pat, Pat Clark. He's like, working interview. I'm like, what? And then you're like, we're gonna, uh, th- yeah. but I think this is like a ninja thing. Like, I don't hear people talking about this, but why sit down and chit chat for an hour when you can say, hey, let's go to a job site and I'll show you around. It's so much more like cutting to the chase for the applicant and for you. Yeah, because I think honestly, you know, everyone wants to look at things through rose colored glasses, not only you looking at the employee, but oftentimes the employee looking at you as the employer in the job, like, oh, this job sounds awesome. Like the grass is always greener on the other side, which is why people bounce around to jobs all the time right now, especially when all millennials, you don't realize that you have to like get through that period of just being uncomfortable and, and awkward and weird. Mm-hmm. And so giving, giving an employee a chance to just kind of see what some of the uglies in the business look like as well can kind of help offset that so that when they do join the team, they kind of know, wow, bleach smells really bad. And uh, I'm going to be coming home and I'm going to be smelling like bleach. I mean, I've had people that have quit their jobs because they didn't realize that their wife hated the way they smelled when they came home from work. (laughs) That was like (laughs) the deal breaker. Wow. Working interviews can kind of help. But again, you have to make sure that, you know, your insurance is covered, you know, workers comp related things. Um, You have to make sure that you dot your I's and cross your T's and check with your local HR, you know, employment attorney to see what those restrictions are. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good advice. So the third, the third thing is hiring, which you got to have hiring systems. This is a harder one to answer. I guess what I mean with hiring is like the protocols and processes for like bringing them in from an HR perspective, but also from like, do you do actually do drug tests or do you just say you will? Do you actually do the background checks? Who do you use to do that? And then do you do anything culture wise to like welcome them or like announce it to the other people or give them a gift basket? I know some people do stuff like that. What, what did the systems and processes look like uh, when it came to hiring? So um, yes, we did. We had a very detailed checklist of what a new hire checklist would look like. Um, we had three different people typically touch um, the, the hiring uh, pool. So we had our office manager that had to, you know, she knew that she had to go in and, you know, update things inside of our routes, add them to our CRM systems. Like she had checklists of things. Um, we also had our operations manager that was responsible for doing things, you know, in there as well. Um, I guess the two people then, and then the technician themselves. Um, but one of the platforms that we used was called Zenefits with it was like benefits, but with a Z Mm-hmm. And uh, or Zed for my Canadian friends. Um, so go to, you know, Zenefits and it literally it was as easy. We, we uploaded our employee handbooks. We uploaded um, all of our you know, documents we had to have them sign. Um, all we had to do was enter in their name, their starting wage and like an email address and it handled everything else. So we would reach out to them, um, get all their onboarding information, have them fill out all of their, you know, their tax information. It would send out all the reportings. It would sync with our QuickBooks. It would sync with our you know, payroll system. Um, we'd load them into a, the, the, the time clocking system. It would ask them what shirt size they were. Like you could have, have build out like an unlimited number of questions uh, as part of the onboarding process. And that automated and streamlined a ton. Um, and then background checks, we used a company called The Seal, uh, theseal.com. And um, really awesome company, Ed Marchicelli is amazing over there. In fact, if anyone watching is like, hmm, I'll check out the seal, tell them that Brandon Vaughn sent you. 
Brandon Bone yeah. sent you. Maybe, maybe I'll hook you up with something. Um, but uh, we absolutely loved it. And um, what it did is it, you know, we did criminal background screenings, but they also got like a badge ID card with their photo on there. And we could send out emails telling our customers, you know, the, the name and the picture of the technicians that were going to be coming to their house, all kinds of amazing things. Um, but having that checklist. And so when we had a new hire, we'd actually print out this checklist. Um, I know it's kind of old school, but we print it out and we have the name of the new hire. And then because it had to kind of change hands between the operations manager and the office manager, they would literally go through and physically check everything and then yeah, like go back and turn it in to make sure we didn't miss anything. Pat that. Clark said that he makes people pee in a cup right at the interview. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just, just had six guys beast. Oh all my fail, gosh. like right in the interview. Like, I don't know how long it takes to get the results, but uh, he, he said, most people ask, can you pass a drug test? Everyone says, yes. And he says, can you pass a drug test? They say, yes. And he hands them a cup. <laughs> he says, great, let's do it. Um, did you do that? I mean, we didn't. I like that idea. I think it saves a lot of time because everybody's lies. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love the thought of like some guy being like, oh yeah, absolutely, no problem. Thinking it's going to come later. They get in the cup and be like, well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> just walking out the door right oh man savage <laughs> totally savage. savage i love it uh we um we never we never actually did uh drug screen but we always told them that we right that we, we would that's what we, we did too. we had them sign something saying they agree to it but we never did it i mean unless sort of been an accident or uh, something unsafe then we would have but i don't think that ever came up for us right yeah i think i think that's um um, just knowing that that's going to be there could detract some people, but, um, we just never really had that big of an issue. I think it's a great idea though. I think drug yeah. testing is important for sure. Wow. Okay, cool. So we got recruiting, interviewing, hiring. Let's talk about training. Um, what did it look like in terms of new hire? You know, the checklist is getting filled out. They show up for day one. What did you train them? How did you train them? How much of it was in the field? How much was classroom? What kind of things did you teach them? Go ahead. So uh, first week, they typically spent two days um, in the office first watching videos. Just we had all of our, we had everything, how to do everything in our company we had in video format. So like how to, you know, how to squeegee the windows, how to do fanning, how to, um, you know, protect plants when you do an exterior cleaning, um, how to mix things, introductions to the company, our core values, our mission, what we stand for, like what, what does an all clean uh, technician look like, um, you know, and have like, you know, pictures and visuals and representation. So um, they get a lot of the basics done when no one else is talking to them. So the real important thing that uh, saved us so much time I think this honestly is a really big frustration with a lot of business owners is you get some new guy on, <clears throat> you spend like a full week training him. You're like pouring everything you have into him and then he quits. Yep. And you're like, Oh, I got to start all over again with this, with another hire. I got to repeat myself all over again. Mm -hmm. That's what we started doing is we just started handing, I just started handing my phone to the technician um, while I was training them and just said, Hey, go ahead and record me. And I'll be like, Hey, this is Brandon with, um, you know, all clean. And uh, today we're just going to talk about how to remove these screens and we're going to go up here and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So now he's learning while I'm creating my own training systems. So it's like, you know, two, two birds, one stone. 
And uh, then we just started throwing them into a drive until later on, and you know, enough time we could actually assemble and put together like a nice robust training platform. There's also a lot of vendors that sell training, you know, programs um, Mm -hmm. as well that you can just like, you know, pay a thousand bucks and have all the training that you need for a certain aspect of your business that you don't have to create those. And there's also tons of YouTube videos as Mm -hmm. well that you can YouTube things and you can like create a training playlist on YouTube even. Um, I mean, I promise you, you could probably find a video for almost every aspect of your business. There may be like maybe little tiny tweaks and it won't obviously be someone in your company talking, but like how to back up a trailer and how to hook up a trailer and how to like do the steering wheel and have like a trailer certification. Yeah. You don't have safe, to ladder safety or changing pump oil or changing a ball bearing. Or right. Exactly. You, you don't have to record those to begin with. You can just have a minimum viable system and just go onto YouTube, copy a bunch of YouTube links and just have those, you know, in a playlist or, you know, something. To just that is it. gold. That is gold. And then the, the next part of the, the training process. So there's three steps in any training programs, a tell show and then watch and watch is the third one that most business owners overlook and can't figure out why their employees is not sticking, you know, it's not sticking in their memory. Um, so we actually had, we would print out two pieces of paper. Um, one piece of paper would have a scorecard on all the different, you know, proficiency, uh, sections and categories they needed to be proficient at. And then a scorecard from one to 10, we'd print out one of these and give it to the trainee and we print out another one and give it to the trainer and both of them would score the trainee. So the trainee would score himself and say, okay, yeah, on you know, on, on this type of squeegeeing, yep, I'd mark myself like a 10, I'm a 10. And then the trainer's like, no, he's like a two. <laughs> he's not, not even close. <laughs> right. You know, or, or they talk so. about it as they did it? Um, no, they would actually, they would, they would do it separately and then okay. they would turn it into our operations manager. Uh, um, or, you know, if you're not that big yet, you don't have an operations manager, you know, just turn it into yourself to kind of review it and see how the progress is going. That way you can just see if there's a gap of reality gap between the two. Yeah. Is that the purpose of that? Exactly. Exactly. Because this is what would happen. The trainer would come back and he'd be like, Oh dude, John, he's killing it, man. He's so good. Oh, he's like fastest pickup on everything. And John's like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I think I'm good to go. Yeah. He could be lead man. Let's send him out in his own truck. And then we find out John was scoring himself like a threes and fours and like fives on some of these things where the trainer depends on all this stuff. Oh yeah. He's a 10 on ladders and he's like, ah, not quite there yet. (laughs) So that was, that was a good way to just kind of gauge and make sure that, you know, progression was happening. And those two perspectives are important because just because someone's good at doing something does not under any circumstances mean they're good at training. So I used to do a lot of, uh, yeah, you're going to be riding with Bill today and Bill's going to take you out there. He's going to show you the ropes and, uh, yeah, good luck. High five. All right. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready to run your own truck and, uh, we'll be good to go. Okay. <laughs> and then Bill has people skills of one out of 10. Right? <laughs> right. Or, or Bill would just be frustrated because he'd have to design the whole training process himself. Right. You know, he'd be like, okay, so, uh, what should I show you first? Um, and then he's getting slowed down all day yeah, with the newbie. Like, this is, uh, this is, um, this is a paper we use. Um, right. oh, screens. have I showed you screens yet here? Yeah. Let me show you this. And, and then right. he's frustrated too, cause he wants to do a good job, but he doesn't know how to. So you gotta like empower, you gotta empower your trainers and, and you have to train the trainers. You have to have a training program 
for them to be a trainer as well. So they're getting two days in the classroom watching every video imaginable. So they already have context and they're pre-framed with some of the language. So when they go in the field, they're not totally useless. They're like, oh yeah, that's a, a injector. That's about whatever. Right. Right. Is that yep. so? So once they're in the field and they go with Bill, Bill has a checklist. That's the tell part. That's the tell. So okay. They're seeing the. What were the three things again? Tell, show, watch. Okay. So tell is the classroom. Mm -hmm. And then you go to show. So he's in the field seeing it more. Yeah. And, and you're documenting the progress and things. And then yep. eventually they start to do it themselves and you're watching them and coaching and correcting them. How long is that? that times frame our goal was to get a new trainee to lead status within two weeks that okay. was our goal you know so so if they came in on day one our goal was to get them at two weeks to be a lead now not everyone did that I mean, we'd have some people that would take them three or four weeks to do it um some people would take them so long until we finally were just like all right this is not a good fit we'll see you um yeah <laughs> well <laughs> bye we'll see <laughs> yeah. um but you know that that was that was the goal. They tried to do two weeks. And a lot of people, it sound, I mean, if someone would have told me that when I first started my company that you could get a window cleaner up to lead status in two weeks, I would have been, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, let's speak to that for two seconds if we could do a little rabbit trail. I know that you had to have noticed the same thing. A lot of small companies I talk to, they're held hostage by their small team for lots of reasons. Number one, they only try to hire people that have experience because they think that's some sort of a good idea, but then that becomes a nightmare or the person knows they're like irreplaceably valuable. And so then the owner is like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, but they get trapped. Yeah. Like when you're explaining your training system to me, that's like, it's like the key to freedom because I already know that you recruit year round, you're interviewing year round, you're doing that and you can push them through a process that in 14 days spits out a replacement for any person working at your company. Like that's a powerful freedom device. <laughs> like that training system. Do you agree with that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's huge, man. That is huge. If you don't have training systems in place to be able to get someone up to speed very quickly, um, your employees sense when they know you can't be without them. They start showing up late, you know, it's like you, you almost kind of looking at you like, what's going to do? Fire me. Like, mm -hmm. I know I see how far booked out we are and I'm the only lead tech you got. I'm the best lead tech that you got. So right. what you going to do? And, um, and that's a really, really dangerous place to be in because it, it breeds a lot of complacency. It breeds cancer. It breeds, it breeds, you know, bad morale, it breeds miserable, terrible. Uh, yeah. It's an imbalance of power. Suddenly they feel like, you know, they're, they actually have more power than you have. And that just changes the whole dynamic of, you know, you as a CEO and you as a leader and following directions. Um, it's, it's really, really bad. How would you coach someone that has a small company to avoid that when they don't have the big flashy thing, they don't have benefits to offer people yet. They don't, I mean, what can they do? on a scaled down version to hedge against that and keep things tight as they grow? Um, the main thing is, is just to have very clear documented processes. You could have a one man show and you can have a very clear onboarding process, a very clear training program, um, very clear expectations set out for your employees on what's required of them. Discipline um, and all that too, right? Yeah. The, 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 I'd say probably one of the biggest struggles that I went through when I was you know, when we were really small and it was just me and one or two other employees, um, was that I wanted to be buddies with them. 
You know, I was like, I have some, I'm so excited about them as employees. And I didn't have that real clear defining line between boss employee relationship or leader and teammate relationship. Um, I didn't have that leader mentality. You know, I had more of a peer mentality and, uh, and that can, that can breed a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, power dynamic struggles uh, inside of your company as well. It's awesome at first though, for a minute. And then it just turns really, really bad. It's just, yeah, it's just like parenting. I mean, the, the amount of parallels there are between good parenting and good leadership as a boss in a company is astounding to me. Because if you let your kids run around and kind of do whatever they want and you're like buddies with them and you're like, Hey, nice fist bump, you know, things you know, like to the extent of, of being their, you know, buddies um, and not setting like, Hey, no, you can't do that. This is, you know, you, you clearly just broke a, a rule. So now it's discipline. Like this is, this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't do that as a parent, your kids are going to be monsters. I mean, they just will. They're going to run all over you. You can't control them. Um, That's why I think the quality of employees has went down ever since they took away the, uh, the legal right to spank your employees. Um, <laughs> Reminds me of the office. Everything's out of control God, now. <laughs> Michael spanked his niece. Or his <laughs> yeah. <it's> a- <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Laws. We just gotta clear communication, basic systems, don't be their buddy, set expectations correctly, actually discipline and follow through on stuff. I mean, that sets you up on the right footing, right? Yeah, there's a statistic that I read where it's like 78% of the happiest people, I mean, people that are like polled with a one to 10 of how happy are you with your job? They like sliced up the, the people that were all answering in nines and tens, and they said that their boss set really clear expectations of what good performance looked like. And they set them up to succeed in those expectations. Because sometimes you'll bring someone in and you expect them to perform like, you know, because you're teaching from a state of um, like automatic competence because you've done it for so long. You can be really frustrated with employees and forget what it feels like to come into something and have no idea what you're doing. Mm -hmm. No idea what's expected of you and what, you know, good looks like because you know, you just, it's a new, brand new environment for you. So, um, you know, making sure that you write those down, you can do that any size team. I don't care if you're a one man show, you can still set that up. That's perfect, man. Well, the last, uh, last one is leadership development, or maybe people call it something else, but the idea of how do you communicate to your new hires? How do they get more money? How do they progress in terms of career opportunities? Uh, Did you have like level one text and level two I, people do it all different but did you have some sort of a formal program to develop them as people and employees and all that um i'll be honest we didn't actually have a lot of um really formalized like like i when i first saw kirk kempton's five-star certification program that he did yeah. where, like ascended through everything i was like oh my gosh like i don't i don't, I don't even do that you know, this is when we had, you know, 50 plus employees, um, you know, at the time. And so, <clears throat> but what we did is, is we had lead techs and we had assistant technicians and, or we actually didn't call them assistant technicians. We just called them uh, crew leads and crew members. Uh, but our, our leads, um, we had a very specific, you know, process on how they could kind of ascend up to a lead. Um, but the big thing that we made a focus on more so than how do you ascend in our company 
was how can we help you develop as a better human being? And, you know, what are your dreams? What are your goals? Um, the book, The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly was a game changer for me. And focusing on, even if they are in the lowest position in the company, how can you help develop them as a person uh, professionally and even personally? Uh, so at our weekly team meetings, we would talk about, you know, how do you build up your credit score? Um, you know, Dave Ramsey cash method techniques. Um, you know, we just, we constantly be reinvesting back into them. <clears throat> and then when we would do regularly scheduled performance reviews, and the last question that we would ask them is, what do you want your next position at the company to be, even if it doesn't exist yet? Mm. And so Ooh, you that's have, really good. you'd have someone, and we did this all the way back when I only had, you know, just a couple of employees. We asked these questions and they would say, well, I'd love to be in sales. I'd love to do executive vice to president of Canadian division. <laughs> right. Yeah. Territories. Yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing is, is that it opened up conversations for um, whether they're on the right track to even be considered for something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, I had, I had one of my uh, crew members that said, I want to be an operations manager. I want to like, you know, run operations and we didn't have an operations manager at the time. So it opened up this great conversation for me to say, let me tell you what I'm going to look for in an operations manager and what I'll look for internally. And if we don't have it here internally in any of our employees, I'll be going external for the hire. If you want to be an operations manager, your truck always has to be spotless. You always have to be on time. You always have to do your checklists. You always have to, you know, do the final walk around with your customers. You always have to do all these things that are in all of our policies and procedures. Otherwise, when you become an operations manager, all your employees that are underneath of you now are going to call you out that you never did it. Well, you didn't keep your truck, you know, clean. Um, you didn't, you know, do this when you were a technician. Right. You didn't wear your safety ropes when you're up on those roofs. You're a fraud. Yeah. So, I mean, those kinds of conversations you can have with somebody, um, you know, to really let them know that if you're going to be here, this is all the things that I'm going to expect from you. And that, that can help set really clear paths. So we didn't really have like a formalized run everybody through the gamut and this will get you to X. We had kind of more of an individualized personal approach that when we would get together every three months with them, we would talk about these things and then we'd, you know, give them literal scorecards um, on all the different areas that we looked for, for their performance. Wow, dude, that's awesome. You know, if you really stick with this business thing, Brandon, I think you're going to have some success. I think it's going to work out. I see a lot of potential in you. No, <laughs> a lot, Josh. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, that's why you killed it. It's highly structured. You've went through pain and suffering. You use systems. You really, really care about your team. It's that's evident talking to you. And of course I know you. Um, so maybe to close things out to a couple words of encouragement to the little guy, maybe he's jaded. Maybe they're starting to believe the Facebook comments that no one wants to work. Everyone's lazy. You can't find good help, blah, blah, blah. It's better to stay small. It's not worth the headache. All these lies that are told uh, for different reasons. What would you say to someone to encourage them? Um, I'd say don't worry about having perfection right out of the gate. Um, my company was messy all the way up through even when we were 50, 60, 70 employees. We still had systems that were not perfect. And I think sometimes, <clears throat> you know, when you, when you hear the Facebook version or you see the online version of these companies that have so many things together and you're like, I'm missing every single one of those systems. I don't have any of that stuff. You know, I'll never get there. It seems like this big, huge whale-like obstacle or this big, huge mountain-sized obstacle. 
But like the way that you climb a mountain to get up to the very, very top is you just set like a little flagpole, you know, a hundred yards down the road and you just like bear on that and just ascend to that today. And then tomorrow you send to the next one. So make sure that you're, you're setting up free space and time uh, every week, whether it's one hour or if you can do more hours, that's awesome. You have a whole bunch of hours during the week. So one hour a week should not be hard, but you turn off all your notifications. You turn off all of your, you know, your phones, your emails, you set out of office, whatever you have to do, let your team know that you're unavailable. And during those, you know, one to two hours, just focus on, building your training systems, documenting some of your processes, you know, building out job descriptions. Um, know that that is the solution to all of your employee pains, at least 90% of them, because you'll still get the random bad apples and the random, you know, right. garbage that happens. It's just part of business in general. Right. Um, but don't be, don't have a bus factor of just one to where if you get hit by a bus tomorrow, your business no longer exists. Um, because I saw that happen personally in my family with, um, my father, which is why I'm really passionate about sharing this with people. And this, this notion is if you kind of stay in that owner operator mentality, um, and don't have any backup plan and don't have, you know, you can't embrace, um, you know, that next level of growth that can kind of, you know, stabilize your family and your business and, and those types of things, you'll continue to struggle. So set aside that time to just little bite at a time, little steps, yeah. um, keeping those systems in place. Awesome. Great advice. Thank you, my friend, so much for hanging out with me. Fist bump, high five, yeah, noogie. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, bro. Thank you, man. All right. See you guys.